Hello, this is the bottom of the ninth with Jose. If you previously heard my first episode, you know that this is a limited series podcast leading up to the 2020 presidential election, where I will be talking about some hot button issues. Uh, so you understand where some of your friends, your neighbors, your relatives might stand on them. Um, I'm doing this because I feel like I need to say something. It just seems like there's too much misinformation about what one side believes as opposed to the other. Uh, I have family and friends who are conservative who, as much as we want to have discussions, sometimes we just can't for whatever reason. So this is my way of putting at least what I believe on these issues, on these topics, and I welcome any discussions about it. Uh, previously, we talked about COVID. Since then, we've seen how rampant it is through the administration, how many people have fallen ill with it. And with that came the usual trepidation from the administration to give us more information as to how the people were doing. Not surprised. Unfortunately, that is a norm with this administration. But that was COVID. Today, I want to talk about something else that is very near and dear to my heart, immigration. So with immigration, we have some of the most racist talking points that we've ever heard that started off this president's campaign for the 2016 election. During his first rally, remember this is his first rally to run as president, he said that Mexicans are rapists, drug dealers, and that maybe some good ones are being sent over, but that that was the majority of them, that they're criminals. Um, and right off the bat, you know this is not going to be a good start as to where this country's headed, if that's the rhetoric that he wants to push his vision of America with. Um, something else that has come up is that they take jobs away from Americans. Uh, immigrants work in large numbers in the service industry, in agriculture, typical jobs that are low paying to begin with, and that most Americans will not take because of the low pay. So this idea that they take jobs away from hardworking Americans is ludicrous because there are wildfires raging and there are still immigrants documented and undocumented working the fields, picking our vegetables and fruits. And I don't see any Americans clamoring for those jobs in those conditions. And you've gone to any restaurant, any hotel, any place where someone has to serve you or cook for you or make your bed, and they are most likely immigrants. We see a lot of Latino immigrants here. But if you go to the East Coast, I've seen a lot of Russian immigrants, Eastern European immigrants. Regardless of what the, where they come from, it's usually immigrants that work those jobs because Americans won't. Um, so that is another thing that Americans believe that is completely infactual. Um, another one, another big talking point is that immigrants create crime. Uh, it's been noted in many studies uh, and research that immigrants typically create less crime because of the fear of police and because they typically don't create more crimes to begin with. So most places that would say are high crime rates have a certain issue with them. It is not the fact they're immigrants. It is maybe the fact that immigrants won't call the, the police because they're afraid for themselves. Um I believe there was a study at some point that I, I might have to reference later where creating better paying jobs actually created less crime because there was more opportunities for everyone, not just citizens or residents, also, you know, immigrants. 
another uh, common misconception is that immigrants are a leech on social resources. And anyone who works in this industry knows that undocumented immigrants do not take resources away from anyone. In fact, sometimes they don't qualify for many things. Uh, undocumented immigrants don't qualify for food stamps. They're not going to get Medicare. They're not going to get uh, free health care through things like Medicaid or Medi-Cal because they don't qualify for those things. So the idea that they're receiving better health care than most Americans is a complete fallacy. It is completely wrong. They do not. Most undocumented immigrants do not qualify for social benefits besides emergency ones that anyone can qualify for. So next time you see someone, uh, don't assume that they are, you know, undocumented immigrants just because they have an EBT card. Children qualify for EBT cards. It doesn't matter what their status is. If we can't feed children, then I don't know what, what the hell we can do. Uh, as of 2018, it was also noted that most immigrants are no longer coming from Latin America. They're coming from Asian countries. Uh, and that's because the easiest way to become an undocumented immigrant is to overstay your visa. And so many visas from Asian countries, you know, never get renewed and they stay here and now they are undocumented immigrants. But the, the media narrative, at least from a certain um, political spectrum, makes you believe that all immigrants are all quote unquote bad ones come from South and Latin America. And that is uh, not the case since most of them at this point are coming from Asian countries. Uh, and that's completely on purpose, that they want to outstate that. Um, but, you know, what are some of the things that immigrants have provided for us besides culture? So much music, slang, and style has de been derived from immigrant cultures. And when I say immigrant cultures, I also want to include here, you know, um, African uh, immigrants who, who, through, you know, the slave trade from the, you know, early time of this country to to you know more modern times um they are just ex as exploited for their culture as undocumented immigrants uh how much food does our country enjoy because of immigrants i can count on my hands how many places i love to eat at and it'll be hard for me to say that they're all american uh there's you know chinese food and italian food uh, Mexican food, there's going to be Thai food, Vietnamese food, um, Indian food. There's, there's so much food that is the product of having immigrants in this country. Like they have only enriched our cuisine. And it's, it's no wonder that in the UK, the, you know, the most popular food of, of, of Britain is chicken tikka masala. You know, that's not something you consider a quote unquote white food, but it's their number one food because it's so damn delicious. Uh, but that is also because of immigrants. And this country has a, a long history of also uh, basically siphoning talent from other countries in terms of the tech industry and medicine, how many immigrants come from those locations with, with amazing skill set and technology and medicine because at the end of the day, they know that they can pay them less and they will bring their quality of work with them. Uh, and take less money for it because it's easier than hiring an American because it's cheaper. And you'll notice that we touched the point of exploited labor a lot. Um, it seems like a common thread among a certain, again, subset of the political spectrum and their views. Um, 
So the reason my parents and my parents came here in the 80s and under Ronald Reagan, they were able to uh, receive amnesty, you know, and that's because at that point there was a what is known as the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986 that basically uh, gave amnesty to a lot of undocumented aliens who were here before a certain time. My parents fortunately qualified for that. And it's funny that Ronald Reagan is this, you know, pillar of like integrity in the Republican Party. But so many of things that he did, they now stand against. And I find that incredibly, you know, baffling uh, how back then this man was their hero. He was their Superman. Even today, he is regarded as like just the most shining example of a Republican in modern times. Um, but he also gave a lot of undocumented immigrants amnesty. Now, it wasn't completely, you know, met with open arms, but he did it back then because he believed that if they were legal, that they wouldn't be exploited as much. Um, he, I believe he's even quoted as saying something, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but that he would have much rather have these people live in the open than live in the shadows. And that allowed them to thrive more because they are no longer going to be exploited. They're no longer going to be treated as second-class citizens. Well, at least that was the plan. And, and people like my parents took that opportunity. That's where they became legal residents. And through that, they were able to buy a home. They were able to buy cars. They were able to basically live the life that they intended to live in this country because of Ronald Reagan, in a sense. And it's funny how since then, what is an illegal immigrant has turned, you know, for essentially for the GOP, for Republicans, for conservatives. Um, since then, since welcoming them with open arms in 1986, it's turned into a scapegoat where most ills, most things that affect our country, they will root back to immigration. Um, they'll, they'll blame immigrants for taking jobs, for causing crime, for, for basically any, any ill that our country is going through. But if the 1986 act that Ronald Reagan signed taught us anything is that when you give people opportunity, when you give them a chance to live a life without fear, they will thrive. They will be happier. And that's only better for the country. Um, the, the GOP has constantly made immigrants a scapegoat and they will hold them, you know, accountable for things that they have no responsibility over. Uh, you know, they'll say all Mexicans are drug dealers and rapists. They'll say Muslim, you know, immigrants could have anti-American terrorist leanings. And it's all just bullshit. It's all just, you know, to borrow a term that is so loved, it's all just fake news <laughs> There's no proof because there isn't any. There's no evidence of that. Um, you know, and, and, and they'll say things like, we want to bring jobs back to America. We want to, you know, make, put Americans to work. And, it's, and they'll blame immigrants for taking jobs, and that's why there's less jobs. So we need to bring those jobs back. But why don't they hold those companies that move production outside the country accountable? Why don't they have Ford, Nike, Apple, why don't they hold them accountable for moving their operations 
abroad. You know, places, you know, other corporations like Gap, so many different tech companies. Why isn't the spotlight on the people who make the decision to move the jobs instead of the people who are taking whatever jobs are left? Why isn't that the talking point for them? And the idea is that they want to blame someone, and it's not the people who make money, because money is always greater than people to Republicans and to the GOP. They'd rather pay pennies for more profits instead of a living wage. Because you can, pre- you can prevent a company from leaving by making them, giving them incentives to stay as long as they pay their workers a living wage, but they don't want to. So we make it easier for them to leave. And once they're gone, what, what's going to make them come back? The profits are going to drop. There's more regulations here. So it's not that they care about people. They care about the money. And they don't care who works those production lines as long as it's someone who's going to be paid less than an American or anyone living in this country. And... It happens so much, and, and we're all guilty of uh, perpetuating the cycle because we all buy these products. We all buy sneakers and iPhones and vehicles that are not made in America because they're cheaper. We go to supermarkets that pay less. We go to places that are more affordable because we don't want to pay more. And maybe that's on us, that we don't want to pay more so our neighbors can have more because if we feel like we're if we can pay less, we don't really care who suffers. Maybe that's an American problem. But the GOP isn't just guilty of, you know, scapegoating immigrants. They'll also scapegoat children. And regardless of where they come from, I don't know how that's a forgivable thing. We've seen that they've tried to pass laws or propositions that denied immigrant children basic needs like health care and education. Now, what what kind of political party thinks it's a good idea to deny kids basic needs? And the only thing I can come up with is that they want to make them afraid. Make them afraid that if they come to this country, you will not be eligible for the American dream. And those of us that were privileged to be citizens or residents growing up, and we end up having friends from different ideologies, different cultures. Um, and we end up pretty much being, a, quote unquote, accepted by this country. And if we bring these things up, you'll always hear the same excuse. You're different. You're not like them. You, you're not like the people that, that we want to send back to Mexico. You're not like the people who are coming here now. You know, you're the exception. And the truth is that we are not the exception. We are the rule. There are more people like us who are law-abiding, hardworking, decent people than those who aren't. But they always focus on the bad ones, don't they? And the notion of a model immigrant, the person who doesn't you know, stir the pot, to me that seems like a way to say that you're someone who assimilated at the sacrifice of your own culture. And being a model immigrant to someone means that 
you don't threaten them in any way. They feel safe around you. And that to me is the biggest insult. If I can't be myself, then what the hell am I supposed to be? And with that comes protest. When we speak up, when we want to be heard. And then we're always met with the same thing, which is right now it's not the right time or place. There's never a right time or place to protest. It's, that's why it's a, a freaking protest, because you do it when you reach a certain point. So if you protest, you're no longer a model immigrant because you're not doing it the right way. But there's not really a guidebook as to when or how to do it. So I don't know what they want. And we see what happens when someone protests in the right place at the right time. Colin Kaepernick, he protested peacefully during a point where nothing would be damaged or harmed. And even then that was twisted because to a certain subset of people that was not the right place or the right time. If it's not during a football game where there's nothing at stake besides a hobby, then when is it the right time? And at this point, you probably know that I am also a child of immigrants. I was born here, have the privilege to be born in the great state of California, but my parents weren't. My parents came from a small village back in the 80s, and they came here with hopes of helping their family. They crossed the border, you know, risking kidnapping, risking rape, death, being held for ransom, all because they wanted to provide for their families. At some point I arrived and it became about me. They felt that I had a better chance of having a good life here than back home, so they stayed. And what gets to me is that there are children like me right now who need our help. There are kids right now who are the 1985 version of me right now in 2020 whose parents came here help trying to get them a better life. And they're met with being separated from them at the border in a cage in giant, what you can only describe as corrals. They're here right now. And I cannot abandon those kids and parents who just want a better life because that was my story. That was our story 30 some odd years ago. I won't forget what my family had to go through because other families are going through that same and worse right now. They're coming here hoping for a chance at a decent life and they're being put into camps. And what pisses me off the most is that people will say, well, this is not their country. They should go back. But if you really want to, you know, keep a tally of who owns what, and really none of us own anything, but this is my country. My grandfather worked fields in the 60s under the Bracero program. And if you know anything about that, it was a time when the United States basically sought Mexican labor 
to work farms and fields in Middle America, Western America. And these people were these, yeah, these people were treated as property. They were exploited. They were dehumanized. They were shaken down sometimes. Uh, and and that was back in the sixties. So I've had family working these lands, literal blood relatives working these lands decades before I was ever born. So how can I feel like my fingerprint hasn't already been on here far before my parents crossed the border? And who knows how long before that? Who knows which of my family saw the same mountains and the same beaches and the same sky that I'm seeing now? There was a point where, when I was doing research on the Bracero program, which is fascinating that I found out that when these workers were paid, sometimes they were charged housing, clothes, basic amenities. They were, they were being charged. And I vividly recall being told once that my grandmother would be so mad because my grandfather couldn't send much back home and they would blame him on, you know, blowing his money over here, essentially with his friends. And now I think maybe that wasn't the case at all. Maybe there wasn't much left to send back because they were being exploited, because they were being taken advantage of. Whatever he could send, maybe he was sending. And it breaks my heart that I never knew what his quality of life was when he was working here. I wish I could have asked him. This country is built for immigrants. It was built by immigrants. Regardless of where they came from, they were immigrants. You know, we never pretend we own something that never belonged to us. And that's something that we can't say 100%. None of us own this land. There are very few people who can claim that are long dead. And if they have any relatives, then I hope they live on for a thousand more years. But we're not the sole proprietors. We're only the stewards for the next group because that's, that's the American experiment. We're just caretaking for the next group. We don't know where they are. We don't know where they'll come from. But we're going to pass it on because that's what's happened. And that's what will keep happening. We're just keeping the place tidy and as nice as possible for the next people who badly need it. Hundreds of years ago, it was religious pilgrims coming from Europe, the Irish, the Italian, and then at some point it became the Mexicans, Salvadorians, Guatemalans, and there's more. But we're always coming here because we want a better life. Hoping that the people who are here will accept us and us share our culture with them. Through our mistakes and missteps, we'll learn to leave this place better for the next group, regardless of, of where they come from. That should be our goal to know that our time is finite, that we will not be around forever, but that we have to leave this place in the best possible condition for the next group.
because there is no American dream. There is no America without immigrants. And like anything else, that definition of what is America needs will change. It needs to change. It's not just people who came on the Mayflower. It's not just people who rebelled against the British. It'll be, it'll be people who fought for equal rights, for you know, desegregation. The definition of what is an American will keep changing because it's not tied to skin color or location. It's tied to your ideals. The Statue of Liberty was a gift from France for finally breaking the practice of slavery. If you've ever been to it, and it's an amazing site that I recommend anyone go, go see when you're in New York City, uh, the statue has a broken shackle and chain on her foot. It's hard to see, but it's there. The shackle represented where they were coming from and the torch atop the statue was where they were arriving. Countless generations of people saw that when they arrived in the United States, and it's, I can't imagine the impact it had back then, considering it's, it gave me an impact when I saw it just a few years ago. But at the pedestal, at the foot of the pedestal, there's a sonnet uh, inscribed in the stone. It says, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but I think it's one of the most important pieces of American literature, if you can call it that. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. If we can't live up to that promise from the Statue of Liberty, then what is America? Vote on November 3rd. <laughs>